Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on an early, cold, and frosty morning, but a, but a glorious day because the beloved Bull put up a win on the board against a tough, young Indiana Pacers team. And I look to my right, and lo and behold, look who's next to me. It's the great one, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Your mood seems... A little bit better than last time. I mean, last time I think you were in like desk flipping mode, and uh, today you seem you seem pretty happy. You've not given up on all of life and and everything. So that's good news. Yeah, some people have described me as kind of like a roller coaster ride, where I seem to <laughs> a bit. Uh, to 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 be a little bit in a better mood when the Bulls win, and in a little bit less of a mood when they lose. I don't know if that's accurate, but so far for the season on this show, it's pretty much uh, apropos. What say you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'm. It's funny. I'm not as moved. I, I wasn't as upset with you with the opening night loss. You know, I, I think I was trying to talk you off the ledge. I'm also not as excited about the couple wins they've had. Uh, you know, between the Raptors and the Pacers, um, so we can get into all of that. But I think all in all, this has not been a great start for the team. The record is okay though. Two and two is fine. But when you look at them on the floor. It seems like they've already abandoned everything they talked about doing in the off off season, you know, in this game against the Pacers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know, the the game against the Raptors, one, the refs gave them the game. Two, the Raptors gave them the game. They did not deserve to win that game. Like they they were the benefit of so many like really wishy washy calls to get that comeback. So you know, great they got the win on the board. This Pacers win was a bit better, but you know, the Pacers just shot. 25% from three and, and almost exclusively like wide open looks, you know, so that was just like not a performance you'd expect out of the Pacers, you know, so it's good that they, I, I call this like a veteran win. Like they grifted their way to a win. They didn't play very well, but they found a way to win anyway. And so that's great. You know, like that's a good sign. Uh, but, but the overall team play, I think is still a shade under what we would have hoped for and, and expected. Well, there's no doubt of that, and I think the primary reason is Zach Levine, outside of the incredible performance in Detroit, has not been good, and from the field at least. I think he's doing a great job getting to the line, and and you know he's going to be a much better, he's going to do much better as a shooter for the remainder of the year. So I think there's a lot of reasons for hope to be excited. I, I don't think DeMar DeRozan's played really well, and, and Vooch, outside of yesterday's game against Indiana, that was really his first really, really good game, in my opinion. I know some would argue is the opener he played well, but he, he just did nothing but pass up open shots, I thought, in that game. So, I mean, big picture, I think there's a lot to be excited about in terms of Zach Levine's going to play significantly better. And, you know, I'm going to remain positive here because I, I do feel like Kobe White, I'll give you an example. Yesterday's game, the start the game, Kobe White only had three points. He hit a three, his first shot. But, and he had no assists. His play in the first five minutes of that game yesterday was absolutely fantastic. He had two fantastic defensive help plays that resulted in turnovers. And he had two great feeds to Vooch on driving plays. One that Vooch got fouled, no assists there. And the other one where Vooch blew the layup, no assists there. But they were great plays. I, I don't think he's playing poorly and... As well as Kobe is playing, I don't think it's not obviously clearly not being reflected in the stat sheet. What say you? I agree. I think Kobe has played really well. You see him 
doing a lot of uh, lookaways on his passes now where he's leading the defense with his eyes and then finding a different open man. I think that's great. He's getting to the rim. His decision-making when he gets into the paint still sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. There's a couple times he tried to pass off where he should have just shot. Um, not necessarily last night. A couple times where he tries to make some difficult passes. But he's generated a lot of like wide-open looks for Vooch down in the post too by just drawing the teammates and finding yes. Vooch on when his man leaves him and you know that's gotten some shots and then Vooch has missed a couple of those but he's he's gotten a few dunks out of it too so I like what I've seen out of Kobe White I, his shooting has been bad and so that's the main thing you see in the box score is his shooting has been really bad but I agree he's set up a lot of guys for good shots that haven't gone down uh, his assist numbers could be much higher and and overall the look of him is very solid. Like he's able to get in the paint so much more than we've ever seen before. He's getting in the paint all the time. He's drawing the defense now. Yes. He's making good passes. Uh, so I'm excited about Kobe White. I'm a little nervous about each one of the big three. Now Zach's been probable with back spasms every game. Maybe that's what's causing him to, to not shoot so well. If he's got some tightness or stiffness in his back, you know, maybe it's just a streak. I mean, Zach can be a streaky guy. You know, DeMar just doesn't, look really good you know he's getting to the free throw line he finished strong in this game against the Pacers he finished strong against Toronto really strong against Toronto but like overall he's not looked super great Vooch I mean it's funny after this game he said like oh my teammates did a really good job trying to find me Vooch is he had 10 baskets in this game if I have them counted correctly three of them were jump shots Four of them were offensive putbacks, which is great to see because Vooch is historically not a very good offensive rebounder. Uh, he had yeah. two like wide open shots based on Damar and Kobe like making drives, drawing his man, and then just dumping the ball off. Where then he just got basically like a wide open shot at the rim, and um, he had that one dribble drive at the end. Right, I think maybe it was Damar had a cross court pass and he was jumping up and down because he was open. And then he that was a great play. He, he had the dribble play. drive against Halliburton um, for a little hook over a guard. They went to him in the post so many times, and it was 0-4. Like, they just got nothing out of it. Like, every time they went into the post for him, it was like a bad possession. And so what's funny about this game is, like, Vooch had nice offensive numbers, like good scoring, actually got to the free throw line a few times. And people are going to walk away being like, yep, Vooch in the post. But every single possession they went into the post was just like a Vooch miss, a, a ton of wasted shot clock. It was like completely worthless. And yet, like this overall game is going to still end up driving <laughs> that Vooch in the post narrative, despite that the fact narrative. that not a single yeah. one of his shots came out of like a post possession. And so this isn't to say like, hey, Vooch had a bad game. He had a really good game. Uh, I mean, I was really happy with what he did that game. But like you don't need to use Vooch in the post for Vooch to have an effective good game. In fact, you're more likely to get a good game out of Vooch if you have him crashing the glass a little bit. If you have him doing pick and roll and being the roll man where the guard draws people and get him a good look, you know, where you, you find him on like a mismatch on the perimeter. Like th these are all things you could do more of and, and see an effective Vucevic that, you know, do not, does not involve just trying to get him the ball in the post, which was just an, an unmitigated disaster this entire game. Uh, I don't think you and I have ever been more simpatico on a point than this one. And and it, it's I, I agree with you. I find it so frustrating because I saw a lot. I received a lot of 
where's your Vooch complaining now? Where's your, I've never once complained about Vooch doing what I want him to do, which is to set those high pick and rolls and roll. I have no problem with that. That's what they did the entire fourth quarter. He didn't have one possession below on the low, on the low post, traditional low post 1989 offense. But we started off the game in that. The first possession he had, low post, Turner's on him. He turns, wastes six seconds of shot clock, takes a mid-range jumper brick. Those don't work. That's what the, I think the big disconnect is between you and I and the Vooch community uh, who just want to see more of him and working the offense through him. I don't want any of that. I want him doing two things, setting high picks for our guards to then attack the lane. And it worked extremely well yesterday. Zach's first shot off a high pick and roll from Vooch. Zach is freed up, attacks the lane, lays it in. Kobe White got into the lane a ton. Even tomorrow, one of his key baskets down the stretch off a Vooch pick and roll at the top above the free throw line. Get him away and his defender away from the basket. Get him out of the paint because you are, when you're playing this traditional low post nonsense that so many of the commentators and so many of the fans want, you're just p- putting impediments to the rim for our best players. And that's, it's just, it's so mind it's so aggravating to me that we even continue this discussion and uh, I, I, we're both a hundred percent. And I love the way he's actually rebounding, you know, actually going for offensive rebounds. And that last basket, I had no problem with where it was a key basket where he's on the free throw line. He's on the three point line. The show is too strong. He drives one, one dribble and he's at the rim cause he's that big and he made a nice play on a layup, but it wasn't the traditional back to the basket. So I think we're both in agreement there. Yeah, I do want to go on to another topic. Any other comments? What, on Vooch one other comment. On? It's not on Vooch specifically, but that last play, I don't know if you noticed. So the commentators talked about how Miles Turner just like abandoned Vooch. Do you know why Miles Turner abandoned Vooch? No. Because Zach Levine was wide open in the corner. And Miles Turner was caught between like trying to get back, you know, Halliburton was on Vooch and Miles Turner was kind of in the paint. And then he saw Zach Levine wide open in the corner and then he ran over to the corner to get Zach Levine. And then that that set up like the wide wide open. uh, I shouldn't say wide open, but basically set up like a really good isolation opportunity for Vooch on Halliburton, which, you know, when when you get Vooch on a guard, like I totally love giving Vooch the ball, you know, and there's not like a lot of help. You know, it's a great, great play. So anyway, I just thought it was worth noting, like, that wasn't like, oh, wow, the Pacers got caught in, like, just Miles Turner Turner was dumb. Like, he had to make a tough decision. Like, I'm either going to help in the post here or I'm going to cover up an elite three-point shooter in the corner. And he opted to cover up the elite three-point shooter in the corner. And, like, you know, I don't don't think it's a bad decision. Like, (laughs) Zach was wide open in the corner. Pretty good chance he's going to knock that down, too. So um, anyway, just just a little extra on on that play. Uh, all great commentary. I think we're both simpatico on the Vooch discussion. Let's move on to Patrick Williams. I'd like your opinion on his play. I mean, it's been an unmitigated disaster for the first three games of the season. He played better yesterday, but it still wasn't anything like... <clears throat> I, I think we're at a point now where it, when a guy just plays like average, people are celebrating it like it's some major progression. The game started off with a horrible play from him where he failed to box out. Obi Toppin, uh, Patrick Williams, the only way he would have got that that defensive rebound is if it went through the basket. He was so far underneath the rim. 
And, you know, so he just gave up a poor, he gave up an offensive rebound. Obi Toppin blew by him on the next possession. I thought he started out terrible. Offensively, I thought he played better. You know, he took, he had a nice take to the rim with uh, Turner on a pick and roll off of Vooch. Uh, but, you know, overall, what's your, what's your take on the progression, the incredible progression of Patrick Williams last night? What I'm excited about is the minute total. Uh, his, <laughs> his, uh, his minutes are down. So he's now at 22 minutes a game. Uh, he was at 28 as a rookie. I mean, he basically missed the whole second year, but it's at 25 there, and that included like a ramp-up period where he played you know, kind of fewer minutes. And then, then in his third year, he was 28.3 minutes. And I like the fact that they're just like, all right, you're now the Keith Bogans of the team. We'll start you... If you got it going on, maybe we'll play you later. But, like, yeah, they weren't going back to him in the fourth. Like, like they understand, like, we'll give Pat some run. We'll see what he can do. We'll give him a chance to develop. I mean, I think he should do that off the bench, and I think eventually they'll move that way. But I'm excited that they're just not like, yeah, we're just going to throw Pat Williams out here for 30 minutes a night, regardless of the fact that he's not playing well. We're just not going to do it. So I, I think he's been an, a mitigated disaster as well. I agree with you like it was funny everyone was talking about how great he was doing and i'm like did we not just notice how like Obi Toppin just made him look like a freaking moron like he had no chance of staying in front of him like then like I, I, I was just watching him a little bit on defense i was like really he doesn't stay in front of anyone like i don't know yeah. why people think he's a great defender like he does not stay in front of everyone he has moments maybe here and there but like they had a bunch of guys just blow straight past him so I'm I'm not excited about anything I've seen with Pat Williams. Maybe he's a guy who's going to be a really slow burn. He'll get it together when he's 27, 28. But it's really difficult for me to see the scenario where at the end of this season you go, man, we got to keep this guy. You know, like that's just really, really hard for me to see. Especially at the money that he wants, which even on the conservative end, let's say it's $20 million. The guy's not worth a mid-level exception. I don't think the money matters so much because the market is going to dictate what he gets, right? Like, I mean, there's got to be some other team that looks at Pat Williams scoring five points a game on 33% shooting and goes, I want to pay $20 million for that. Like, like right now, I mean, if he doesn't play dramatically better, he's not going to get any meaningful money. So, you know, I think it was a good idea that we didn't extend him. We'll see how he does the rest of the year. But if, if he doesn't play tremendously better, he just doesn't even belong in the league. And so we'll see what happens. But I don't, I don't think it's going to cost a ton to bring him back unless he gets a lot better. And then if he gets a lot better, then, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that is what the market is, right? Now, you're going to pay market rate for him either way. Well, Doug, he's going to play better. Like, it's four games. Like a lot better? He's going to shoot better. He's Yes. When it comes to three-point shooting, yes. Like, he's going to shoot Based on his first three years in the in the league, he's going to shoot at at a, at a at a pretty good rate, if if his history is any indicator. So I expect that to happen. And just in that, there's value. And just in that, people will pay for that type of shooting. I don't think they will. So I don't want I I don't want to say I don't think he's I don't think he's a player that's going to be out of the league. I don't. I don't think I mean, he'll be a player that'll be out of the league, league either for a long time. I agree. I think he'll play better. I don't think he'll be out of the league. I just said if he plays like this, he would be, or he'd be on a minimum. Yo, no doubt about that. But, no doubt but about I agree that. he'll but be better. Shoot, I, I think he's going to shoot better. Let me throw this out there for you. I don't think he's going to shoot all that much better, really. Like, 
he only shoots the most wide, wide open of wide open shots, you know, to get his high percentage. And they're like trying to press him to shoot a little more. Like, I'm not actually so confident that he's that good of a shooter because his release speed is low. Like, so I think he'll be better. Like, he's not an 18% three point shooter, clearly. You know, you, you know, but like, I, right. I don't think he's going to. It wouldn't surprise me if he put up like a 35 or 34% for the season, though. Like, because he, because of the shots he takes, mm-hmm. and if he tries to be a little bit more aggressive and taking a few more and takes something that's not like a guy, you know, a guy was within eight feet of him and then he's still willing to shoot it, then, you know, his percentage might dip a bit. And if he has to take shots like out of the corners more, I think his percentage might dip a bit. So I'm, I'm not sold that he's going to be all that much better. His defense doesn't look really meaningfully better. He doesn't contribute to anything else. He's like the worst plus minus player in the universe. Like his, the team just gets destroyed when he's on the floor. He's getting soundly outplayed by Tory Craig, who signed for the minimum. So, you know, I just, yeah, whatever. We'll see what happens with Pat. It's a wait and see thing, but like, I'm not excited about him. And we're past the point where it's like, well, he's blah, blah, blah age and he's blah, 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 whatever. I mean, like, this is it. Like at the end of the year, he's a free agent. So this is, this is the last gasp, but I'm not real hopeful that there's a future between the Bulls and Pat Williams. And that's fine. Well, you have a great point on the fact that, you know, he, he his first three years in the league, he would take three-pointers only when he was wide open. There was no player. It seemed like for the most part within six feet of him, and that percentage is going to come down the more aggressive you get. And with everybody asking him to be more aggressive, I do agree with you. Like, I don't think he'll shoot over 40% from three. But I do feel he's a good enough shooter. He should be at 38 39%. There's value in that. Someone's going to pay him. It's a big question. He's already getting paid almost $10 million a year. Like, he because he, due to his draft spot, and he's not worth that. We, we all we're all in agreement that Tory Craig on a minimum contract has played significantly better than Patrick Williams. So this is a major issue that a lot of I, I hear a lot of the uh, fans on Twitter and a lot of you know our friends in the podcast space act like, oh, you got time. He's still young. We don't have time. We have to make a decision on paying this guy, and is he going to take up a significant portion of our cap? to pay a guy to just shoot threes at a good rate and do little else. Is that is that what is that what we want to do? Is that going to optimize our chances for winning a title? I don't think so. And that's why I'm so frustrated that if every time there's been a trade discussed, Patrick Williams is according to this front office almost at like non-tradable status. It's freaking ridiculous if that's true. If it's a non-starter that Patrick Williams has put in a deal what is wrong? Like, what are these guys watching? You know, doesn't that bother you to some degree, Doug? Are you going to ask me if the front office bothers me? That seems like, that seems <laughs> that, like a no, loaded question that, right there. <laughs> like, which part of Just the, that point. What, what, have, what has the front office done, do you think, that gives me any confidence in them to do anything correctly? Caruso. Caruso. I love Caruso. Caruso was a great sign. Incredible deal. Um, and then DeMar, I think, overall was a was a victory. Yeah. And draft an eye on the second round. That's it. That's it. Like what else have they done that's that brings you solace? Nothing. I, I agree I, with I those like three things. Signing. And honestly, I the IO thing, I don't even credit him that much because I feel like he was such an obvious pick. Like a five yes, year old, a five year old so. five year old would have <laughs> taken IO just looking at it was like the number one player well, yeah. on every draft board that was left, right? You know, a lot of people had him going. Oh, yeah. as well, it wasn't first. obvious to Marquette. Well, it that's fine. Obvious but it was yeah, obvious no. to everyone who looked at an ESPN draft board and NBA draft at that draft board, whatever draft board, like on the show, like 
like Iowa's viewed as maybe a late second rounder, um, or sorry, late first rounder, and and now you're in the mid second, and he's still sitting there. Like that was an obvious pick. So great that they made it. I'm glad for that. But then they screwed up the contract because they thought Simonovich was more valuable. So like you know, Good point. like they were even that was like they they grasped a little bit of loss out of a big win, and then uh, you know like with with Demar, I. Obviously, Demar has been really good, and I'm I'm happy we got Demar. But I would not underrate what we paid for him. We effectively gave up two first round picks for Demar. You know, like we we gave San Antonio a pick that has a pretty fair chance of being another lottery pick. We traded away, and then we gave them Thad Young, who San Antonio flipped for a first round pick. And so Demar has been worth it, but it's not like oh my God, we got Demar. What a you know. Like if Demar leaves, if Demar leaves after this season, and you know, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that happens, right? We doesn't seem like we're going to meet an extension agreement, and I'm not sure if I'd want to either. Like that's also a big thing. But if Demar leaves after this season, and if the Bulls don't have any success in the postseason, then you're going to have given up another lottery pick, another guy you could have got a first round pick for, and the results will be what like. One playoff win two years ago, a missed playoffs last year, and whatever happens this year. And so in the end, like, that's not really DeMar's fault, but part of the whole is, like, you will have given up all these assets for what? And, you know, that's, again, I, I still think DeMar was a good trade, even, like, with all of that. Like, he wasn't the problem in that that mix. But if you don't put together all the pieces to do something more substantial than lose, you know, losing the playoffs one time, you know, the, the net outcome of that was like not a good idea, you know, the net outcome of all these things. So in an individual move, tomorrow is still great value, but the, the sum of all the parts, we sure didn't do a great job. We People also forget that Thad Young was included in that trade, basically a salary filler. Yeah. And he was playing so well at certain points of his time here that you could have turned him into a draft asset. Well, he was. Uh, San Antonio you know, traded trade him. Deadline. San Antonio traded him for a first round pick. That's just what I said. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is that true? Yeah. I don't recall that. Yeah. San Antonio turned Thad Young into a first-round draft pick. Yeah. Oh, so now I get what you were saying. I, I missed that connection. So you're saying they we gave up a number one, and we also sent Thad Young there, which became a number one for them. That's where you get the two first-rounders. Good point. Yeah. I haven't heard. Now you're, now you're making me doubt myself. <laughs> like, did I make that up? <laughs> I think Pirtle was in that trade. I think that was the impetus for the number one. Pick let me let me Thad go Young. look it up. The I could Spurs be wrong are trading that. Thad Young to the Raptors for Goran Dragic, um, and so they traded Young and Drew Eubanks, uh, and they will be swapping draft picks. Toronto will get Detroit's twenty twenty second. San Antonio will get Toronto's twenty 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 two first. So they traded. Thad Young, Drew Eubanks in a second round pick to get Toronto's first round pick. Um, Holy cow! No, well, that, Drew Eubanks. I don't think I'm not as familiar with the greatness of Drew Eubanks. Was he at all r- r- thought of to be a? a, a I mean, a solid I mean, he's a prospect. young he's a young player. I don't know. Yeah, he was in his third year in the league. He had averaged five point eight points. The year before he was traded, I'm not Eubanks biographer, so I can't tell you like, you know what happened. Just by the name Drew Eubanks, I I think there's a good shot he's going to be a bust. 
Okay. Let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to another topic. Let's move on to another topic. Billy's taking a lot of heat, taking a lot of <laughs> taking a lot of anger from the fan base. I I think every time I make a post on uh, how irritated I am with our, our rim, you know rim defense or our paint defense or how pats being used. Somewhere in those Twitter responses, you're going to find of find a, where when is Billy Donovan going to be fired? When is he going to take responsibility for this disaster? Um, where are you at on Billy this so far this season? Uh, obviously, the shot profile. I think I our good friend Will Gottlieb from CHGO pointed out that 45% of our our shots yesterday were from the uh, mid range. Not a great recipe for winning, uh, sustainable winning in, in the future. Like, where are you at with Billy Donovan, and do you feel like he's doing a good job, or is he going to be the first one to suffer as a result of a, another disappointing bull season if we continue in that direction? <laughs> I'm going to say the same thing about Billy Donovan that I would have said about Tom Thibodeau, which is everyone hated him hate towards the end of his career, like Tom Thibodeau. I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people. We're like upset with Tom Thibodeau. And for a lot of like maybe good reasons, right? Like the overplaying of guys, the running them into the ground, yes. like whatever, like, like valid reasons. But the thing is, you knew he was a good coach despite some of these like complaints. And there was a good chance when you got in someone else, you weren't going to get a good coach. And I feel the same about Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan is a good coach. I'm not telling you he's an elite coach. I'm not telling you there's not problems. I don't know how you want Billy Donovan to juice three-point shooting out of this roster. Um, but, like, like whatever. Like, I get that people want him gone. And I'm not telling you Billy Donovan is the solution to anything. But he's definitely not high on my list of problems. And there's a really good chance when we get rid of Donovan that the next guy we bring in, you're going to hate. Like, Donovan is a big step up from Boylan, not hard. And a big step up from Hoiberg, probably a little harder, but maybe not hard. And he, he's like a legit coach. And if you look at the number of coaches the Bulls have had since Phil Jackson that are like legit coaches, it's like maybe Skiles, Thibodeau, and Donovan. And the rest are all clowns, like Bill Cartwright, Vinny Del Negro, Jim Boylan the first, Jim Boylan the second, Fred Hoiberg. And so our rate of like clown to good coach ratio is not real good. So we're due for two clowns before we get another good coach. Um, so that's <laughs> what I think about Billy Donovan. Like I just, I don't have like a lot of faith we're going to go do something else good. Now maybe, maybe Acme, you know, to their credit, they got rid of uh, Jim Boylan and they brought in a good coach. So I think even though everyone hates Donovan now, I think they're one and zero, and at least bringing in someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, so maybe if, if they pick another coach, I have a little more confidence. I don't know if it's like the Reinsdorfs have said like, hey, you got money on a deal. Now you have to get a cheap coach because of blah, blah, blah or something. Like if that's part of the scenario that was in the past, you know, or there's other mitigating factors. But yeah, that's the only thing is like I, I think Donovan is like a middle of the road coach. Uh, I love hearing him speak. I, I think the players generally like him. I I think there's a lot going on there that's positive. There's a lot going on that's maybe he's not an elite coach. He's not Eric Spolstra out there. But I don't think we're going to get an Eric Spolstra if we get rid of Donovan. So my guess is if we do it, we'll get someone worse. Uh, agree on everything you said. I, I, I'd even, I'm a little bit more bullish on, on Donovan 
I think he's, first of all, his press conferences, I absolutely love listening to. I think he's very thoughtful. And as far as a communicator goes, that's a reflection of how you communicate to the team. When Jim Boylan would get up and talk to the press, he sounded like a dope. And to assume that suddenly he's going to be some eloquent speaker and communicator with his team is just foolhardy. That's a reflection of how you are with your team. It is. Um, and Thibodeau, I, I, I thought was a, you know, really, I, there was a lot to love about Thibodeau. He obviously was always prepared, gave it everything he had, but we, we touched on the reasons why he had to go. I thought he sacrificed regular season. He sacrificed the career players for regular season wins. And to me, that's inexcusable. So, you know, he, he had to go. Yeah, not, that said, Let's not get down the Thibodeau train. We agree. He was like, he is an NBA worthy coach in his abilities with flaws, you know, and Jim Boylan yes. was not. And, and Fred Hoiberg I probably like Skiles. was not. Yeah. You know? I like Skiles, but I think you can make the case that Billy Donovan is the second best coach after Thibodeau that we've had since Phil Jackson. So th- there's, a, there's a lot of anger and a lot of people who want to see him out of town. I, 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 I don't think it's likely you're going to get a better coach than Billy Donovan. So I don't think he's the problem. The fact that we were top 10 in defensive efficiency last year is a miracle considering the personnel on this team. You had Alex Caruso. You had everybody wants to act like Patrick Williams was great. He wasn't. He was good at at times. He's a good one-on-one defender occasionally. He's terrible off ball. Who else do you have? You have zero rim protectors on this team, and the fact that we were top 10 in efficiency is a direct result of his coaching. So, um, you know, I'm fine with Donovan. I hope he stays here, and I hope he's not a casualty if this thing goes in the, in the wrong direction. Um, let's move on. Well, we, we're already over 30 minutes, so I want to do one final topic. On What's with you trade. in 30 minutes? People love to listen to the bus. That's the thing is, I got a flight. We could go two hours on the bus, and people will be excited. (laughs) We probably could, but go ahead. No, a couple, just a couple other thoughts. Final thoughts on the season so far. I want to get your opinion. Javon Carter finally had a good game yesterday. Five of seven from the field, had eleven points. I thought he played well, but overall, I thought he's been kind of bad, really, to be honest. The first three, three games, very disappointing. Um, Craig got hurt yesterday, like. Any other thoughts on the preseason in general from from other players? Um, how do you feel? Uh, I would. You said preseason. You just mean the first four games, right? I mean, I don't care about the preseason. I, I mean, the first, yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. first four games yeah. of the season. My bad. I, I mean, Craig has been fantastic. Uh, it looked like he maybe had a concussion last night. Like they were flashing the eyes, and he didn't look good. But I know. Uh, I tried looking up this morning to see if there's any news about it, and it didn't seem like anyone thought that happened afterwards, you know, so just what they showed on TV didn't look great, but looks like maybe he'll be okay. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, but Craig has been fantastic. I, I don't know how Craig is signed for the minimum. Like I'm ready, whatever money you want to give Pat Williams, give it to Tory Craig. That's, that's what I'm saying <laughs> right now. But, uh, so Craig's been fantastic. I agree with your stance on Carter. I mean, he looks like the third best point guard on the team. Right, like Kobe White and Io both look better to me than than Carter. And you know, like I said, Kobe White's stat sheet like sucks right now. But I don't think that reflects how well he's played to me at all. I I was actually really Agreed. disappointed when I heard some quote that was like the team like feels like they really need a point guard. 
And I was like, I think that was after the first game. I was like, man, what an F you to Kobe, who I think has really, really played well. Um, like I said, hasn't shot well, but is really getting into the paint, is finding open guys, is making good passes. Like you can totally see the progression. I'd like a lot of confidence by the end of Kobe's deal. You're going to be pretty excited about Kobe White. Maybe not Bradley Beal excited like you think, but I think <laughs> pretty excited. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Io has, has played pretty well too to start this season. Uh, you know, big defensive play yesterday along with Javon Carter. I think it was that Miles Turner they both blocked who looked like he was just going to get like a wide open kind of like dunk. And then I think it was Io blocked him and then Carter stripped him. Um, but it was, yeah, yeah, it was, that was a great play. It, I, I think Io has been solid defensively. He's he shot the ball reasonably so far to start the season. I think Io was limited minutes too. Yeah, in, yeah. In limited minutes. He's made an impact every time he's been on the floor. So, you know, Io looked like he was the odd man out maybe in the rotation, but you know, Io makes more than than Carter does. You know, they committed. I think it's a, it's about the same, but I think Io might make a shade more than Carter. So, you know, I they Io looks like he's going to find a way onto the floor, and and it's also a great sign because we signed him to a deal that looked like maybe two to three million above what we had to. Like it didn't seem like there was a lot of suitors. And we could have hardballed him a little more, and we didn't. But it looks like Iowa is going to, so far, fingers crossed, play well enough to say, yeah, I'm worth this money easily. So hopefully, knock on wood, that continues. How about how about Drummond? <laughs> Drummond is just an experience, man. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. <laughs> like every time you watch him, I think it was Matt Peck who said something like, you can always count on Andre Drummond to be Andre Drummond. And... Uh, that guy's had like <laughs> That's a good so line. many like wildly good plays and wildly bad plays. It's it's like just hysterical. Like at one point he's he's uh, breaking Chet Holmgren's ankles like for an open dunk and and then gets like another dunk and like like three offensive rebounds and then like and they had that preseason game where he had like five offensive rebounds on it one shot and just kept missing. Uh, like missed like the wide open dunk you know last game <laughs> against Indiana or like just. Like oh, rimmed yeah. it like fifty feet yeah. into the air. Um, had like a pass where he just like basically threw it straight to someone on the Pacers. Like you know, like he's just like like out there, like just making stuff happen. You know, like I feel like Andre Drummond doesn't process the game very quickly or very well. But so he's playing with like high energy, and so it's like you just get these like crazy good plays here, and then you just get these crazy bad plays. Um, but but overall, like I, I think it's fine. Like for a vet minimum center. You know, he, he goes in there, he causes havoc, he can make things happen. It, it's like a really big change up from Vooch out there, too, because he's just like fighting constantly under the boards, like so hard. So I overall, I'm pleased with what Drummond has given us. But you definitely have to be prepared for there to be like two or three head scratchingly bad plays every time he's out there. <laughs> yeah, I've been fine with Drummond. He's a fine backup center. Yeah. And, and you know, for his salary. For the vet minimum, salary, basically. So. Uh, yeah, no complaints. Yeah, I mean overall, I still I still like their bench. The reasons for hope are, I think the bench Carter is going to play better. Zach Levine absolutely is going to play better. Before last night, I think his shooting metrics were around what thirty six, twenty nine from the three point line. Like that's going to improve significantly. He had one incredible game against Detroit. Unfortunately, it was an wasted effort, but he'll play better. And I think Williams will play better. He can't play this bad all year. So like, there's a lot of guys that are underperforming. That said, let's look at the schedule. Next games. At Mavericks. Nets at home. 
at Nuggets, Jazz at home, Suns at home, Pistons at home. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, and then at Bucks seven. The next seven games they got again at Mavericks, the Nets, at Nuggets, the Jazz at home, the Suns at home, the Pistons at home, and then at Bucks. In those seven games, what do you say? What's our record? Whew. Um, I think we win. God, I. I want to say yeah. I'll give us three games out of that. Okay, I say four. You say three. Four. And we shall see. Wow, that's yeah. Impressive. I think they're going to beat. They're going to beat the Nets. They're going to beat the Jazz. They're going to beat the Pistons at home. And then I think they'll get one of the either at Mavericks, at Nuggets. They actually played the Nuggets pretty well. It seems like every time they go to Denver, they definitely have in the last several years. Um, I mean, they blew him out last year. Wasn't Jokic out of that game last year? Game. Are we going to count on Jokic being? No, out? he played. He no? played. Oh, did he? No, no, he played. Was they, it the they, home they, game? They, I could swear there was one of the games he was out. Maybe that was the one at home. It was probably the home game, but the game in Denver was. I mean, the Nuggets weren't playing really great at that time. It was post All Star yeah. break. They were kind of struggling for a period there, but we Zach Levine played great. Vooch played great. We were at Peace Pizza um, for a Denver Bulls game. Oh, yeah. And I could have mm-hmm. sworn he was out for that game. But maybe that was That's even. That's going back Was that two years, years ago? Yeah. God, man, I'm old. I'm sorry. <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> Jokic wasn't even on the Nuggets back when this, we had this thing. <laughs> that was the game I was thinking of. Like- but, yeah, you're right. That might have been two years ago. I think that was the Lonzo Bulls now that I think about it. So I think we're both saying they're going to lose at Bucks. They're going to lose at Nuggets probably. So you, you don't think they're going to get a win from the at Mavericks or... Well, I mean, but they have a chance to lose one of those games you think they're going to win, right? Like, Detroit's already beat us, so... Yeah, the that, Nets. That could happen. The I Nets. Guess, yep. Like, I mean, it's like I look at... I, I have them favored against the Nets, the Jazz, and the Pistons. Um, and maybe a toss-up against the Mavericks. And then I, you know, definitely underdogs against the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Bucks. Now it depends who plays for the Suns. They've had some some guys sitting already, so we'll see how healthy they are at that time. Like that's a, a very thin team, so it's not hard to envision if they're missing a guy or two that that could flip. Um, but you don't always win the games you're favorited, and you you don't always lose the games you're the underdog. Uh, but I think we're bigger underdogs in the games we're underdogs, and we are favorites in the games we're favorites. So. Yeah. All, all in all, that's why I came up with three and four. I was actually debating about two and five. Uh, so I was I would I would give us like two and a half, like two or three uh, out of that seven stretch. And then then we'll see. I think it gets a little easier after that. You got uh, four games against the Florida teams in a, in a super weird like back to back two home games in a row against the Magic and two home games in a row against the Heat. I don't know that I've ever seen that where you play the same team twice in a row at home. Um yeah. That's like that's yeah. really strange. I think that's a great idea though for the league, right? Like just limit travel. You know, the Magic have to travel us, the Bulls have to travel us. It's like they would always have these like back-to-back games against the same team where it was like a home and home. And I'm like, why would you just put the travel like like that? That makes no sense. So I I like that change, but that seems like something I've I've not seen a whole lot in, in the past. That's interesting. We've got it twice in a row early in the season. Last uh, point before we jump off, bring the bus into the garage. Trade details: James Harden trade. Uh, the 76ers received Marquise Mor- Marcus Morris, Batum, 
Covington, KJ Martin, 2028 unprotected first round pick, two second round picks, a pick swap, first round pick from a third team. The Clippers get Harden, Tucker, PJ Tucker, and Flip Petrucci. What say you? Yeah, and just so you know, uh, Sham said the pick from the third team is actually the 2026 Clippers pick via Oklahoma City. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen because that pick feels like it'd be really valuable, but. I, I saw that on Twitter earlier. So wait, 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 wait. One more time. What is that? So who's getting what there? The Sixers are. Yeah. What, but what is the pick? I don't know what you're saying. They said Do it was Oklahoma the. I, what I thought Clippers? I read was it was the pick Oklahoma City has, uh, the Clippers pick. Uh, that was traded earlier, to the Thunder as part of the Paul George trade, is now the other pick. Um. So I don't know. Maybe I misread that because that just seems like a super high value pick, and I, I, you know I don't know how they would have gotten that back. So maybe it's a different pick via the Thunder, and it was misreported or I just misread scrolling through the news. Anyway, um, my my short thought on this is like great job for Moore getting this much value for James Harden. Like there is no one else bidding. <laughs> I would not have bid this much for James Harden, and it shows to me that the Clippers are maybe no. just a little bit delusional. And thinking how close they are and thinking they're James Harden away. Like, how did it go for the last two teams that traded for James Harden thinking he was going to lead them somewhere? Like, it went really badly. Um, so, I think, I think, hey, hats off to Maury, uh, you know, for getting that much. You know, the Clippers, if, I mean, if they win, then it's all worth it. But it's like, I don't know how you look at Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard and think that that team's going to win, you know, because... Well, if they're healthy, they are. No, they are. <laughs> That's the big they're thing. They're not going to win either. They're yes, healthy. they are. No, they are. Listen, we got to forget. People forget, and, and just like to discount them because of, and for good reason. I mean, there's a lot to dislike about about him, um, James Harden. But he led the league in assists last year. He's a fantastic basketball player offensively. He's really good, and he won games against the Celtics by himself without Embiid in the playoffs. So. Yes, he's had a lot of disappointing playoff games. Yes, he's never won a championship. But you also forget how good of a basketball player that guy is. He's going to win you a lot of regular season games. And if all four of those guys are healthy, that's a really good team. The the issue with the Clippers has been Kawhi Leonard was absolutely fantastic last year. What happened? He gets hurt again, you know, down the stretch. That's always what happens. So, you know, it's a big if. Maybe this is the year that they all remain healthy. I, I really like that team if they are all are healthy. Harden's a good passer, man. People forget that. And I think there's a lot too much discounting him because of his nonsense off the court as a basketball player. He's a he's a very good basketball player. I'm not saying he's not a good basketball player. I just don't see that. If, if George and Kawhi and Westbrook are healthy, I don't know that they need what James Harden brings them. And you know he brings them a big I, I hole. He brings them a, a big hole gamble. on defense. Yeah, it's a good gamble. It's a good gamble, a good gamble if you're like you know whatever we are going to be hopelessly screwed for the next five years when this thing falls apart anyway. Who cares? Like I don't. I I think you could have negotiated harder and got him for less because there's no one else bidding on James Harden, and and now you're also caught in like you're going to have to extend James Harden. And James Harden has just screwed over the last three teams he's been on. Like, just saying, well, if you just ignore all of the James Harden nonsense, and if you just ignore that Kawhi Leonard is always hurt, 
And if you just ignore like all these things that have been true every single year for like the last three, four years. Yeah. Okay. If we ignore four years of reality, then, you know, just give them the title now. On, on that note, let's bring the bus in because I, I got to go. I got to <laughs> catch a flight, my friend. Until next time. It was, first of all, it's always good to talk to you. You always bring excellent insights. Uh, I wish you the very happiest of Halloweens as we bring the, the beloved bus in. Let's go Bulls. Go Bulls.